Welcome back, we're Asiatic Affairs, and this is Narratives of Asia. I'm Angela, and today in another episode on the coronavirus outbreak and its social impact, we bring you yet another perspective on what it means to be Asian and living during this uniquely challenging time. So hi, we're here today with um, Elizabeth, a first year politics and international relations student. Um, so just tell us a bit more about yourself. Um, hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth. Um, I'm from Shanghai, China, and I've been studying abroad in England for the past five, six years-ish. So Elizabeth, you posted something on Facebook, a really long article about your encounter with um, uh, someone on the street. It was kind of it was kind of like a racist encounter, wasn't it? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Um, so it was I. Um, I think, well, it was, I was walking down Tarnco Road on my way back to my flat. Um, and outside of like Planet Organic, because I was just in there, I came out and then this guy walked in, walked straight into me. Well, he didn't like walk into me. He was just like walking towards me in the same direction, looking at me. So I knew that he was like, he was like direct. He, he was, he had something up like mm-hmm. with me. Something, okay. And I was wearing a mask. And I only wore it because I wanted to like it was it was more of a social experiment for me than to protect like myself from anyone or yeah. protect other from me because like if so I I see masks as like a social contract so that if a social unless contract everyone okay follows, unless everyone follows it's not gonna work and if like people who follow other minority it's not gonna work and the minority people are gonna be you know discriminated against because it's it's against social norms. Um, so this guy came up to me and he was like, he just, he just like said, he just like, to me, it was just more like a string of noises. It was like, blah, 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 blah. But then I could pick out from what he said, like coronavirus, you wearing a mask. Um, so I made, so I about like made out half the sentence to like figure out that he was saying, oh, you gave us the coronavirus and why are you wearing masks now? Like, what, what are you protecting yourself against? And then I was just a bit, but I didn't. I didn't do anything. Like, I didn't confront him because my phone was out of charge for mm-hmm. for one thing. But the second, I was scared. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have you have every right to be scared, actually. Um, considering I was what happened with Johnson. And he was like, he was, he was like, like, and I. He tried to like elbow me, but then I like walked. I ducked away before he could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like in a bit of a shock, and I think like um. It had a lasting impact on me. Okay. Yeah, so, 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 wait, so hang on, just to clarify, like, so you mentioned you were wearing a face mask out um, as a social experiment. Um, yeah. Like, what exactly were you experiment experimenting on and what did you hope to find? Like, I was, like, before before that, before, like, my, because I share a flower with my friend and mm-hmm. she's been wearing face masks. She's been, like, staying in as much as possible even before, um stuff came out it's just because she's also chinese she's also from shanghai so she's okay. been like she's been quite cautious about it already yeah she's a second year comparative literature student mm-hmm. um but it's just like we have this information coming in from the other side of the world that like of what it has actually been going on like like the actual situation the living reality of people like we know about that mm-hmm. um so I, but still, I was still a bit skeptical in the beginning. I was like, oh, surely, surely the government's been doing something to stop it from spreading, like here. Surely they've been like tracking people down and stuff. Yeah. But the policies have proved me wrong. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Um, so I wore the mask because, like, I never, I never did did so before that day. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, let's just see how it feels to wear a mask outside. Like, were you looking to, were you looking to like, see what, um, how people re- would react when you wear the mask? Um, yeah, so and people's attitudes like towards like, mask wearers. Like yeah, to myself. It was more for a cha- like a challenge to myself to see like oh, like you know that you'll get stared at. You mm-hmm. know, like people. They're, they're like I was expecting all sorts of stuff to go on. Um, yeah, I guess in a like, way, I guess in a way, most people when you wear a mask out, you, you run the risk of being judged and also, like you said, stared at. So, but what, like, but what's your opinion on this? So, a lot of people who have been involved in like racist encounters, encounters, yeah, have been people who are like mask wearers. Do you think the mask itself? Do you think it's become like a target of aggression? I think so because I feel like the mask reminds me of um so I saw this news the other day that um some Asians some some people who wear masks like are so scared of being attacked that they wore mm-hmm. a burqa on top of wearing the mask and no oh, one right. did anything. So I remember seeing something like that, so I was pretty shocked. The virus itself is a threat to public health. Mm-hmm, for sure. And somehow the mask represents that threat. Because in the UK, people are only told to wear masks if they are ill. Mm-hmm. But that's just like two different. It's just two different ways of going about the whole idea of masks. So like in China, for instance, if any, like in Asia generally, especially in Japan and Korea, if you're ill, you wear a mask. Mm-hmm. If you're not ill, you still wear a mask when you're in public spaces to protect yourself and others. Mm-hmm. That's just like it's just a common thing to do. Whereas mm. in in the West, is not such you know such common thing and then because the virus broke out in china which is in asia people wear masks everyone literally now in the streets you go out everyone wears a mask yeah even people like waitresses wear masks even when serving food just because like public health awareness yeah and Um, also in hong kong where i'm from like masks have been um it's been declared by the government that you have to wear masks it's illegal to not um especially in light of because of coronavirus yeah exactly Whereas, whereas, like, I find it quite interesting how people in the West don't seem to understand that wearing a mask protects, like, others from you and you mm-hmm. from others. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a two-way thing. It's not just, like, it's not just one way. And then, like, it's just, I don't, I don't quite understand the whole rationale behind people who think masks are a threat. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what is the threat of? Like, am I going to wear a mask? hide my face and go attack people like that that's like it's like very unlikely <laughs> i guess that. i guess in part it's kind of would you agree uh, to, um for me to say that it's kind of partly to do with cultural differences and what people have been grown up to um to kind of believe or like perceive or in fact just like social behaviors um because obviously in this country um people don't wear masks until unless they're ill um but actually gradually as we see now like um as we've not in London, a lot more people, um, regardless of whether you're Asian or, or non-Asian looking, people, a lot more people are wearing masks. Um, I think it is to do with cultural differences, but then I think it's got more to do with, um, like, societal values. Okay, yeah, societal that, values. Like, in my, like, just from my very humble opinion, which might not be right, um, that I feel like there's a much stronger sense of community in Asian countries. Mm, okay. Um, not sure if you agree or not, but it's just like the sense like communal, mm-hmm. like that I am a part of a community. I am responsible for my community as well. Whereas like 
in the West is more like individualistic that I ha- I have the liberty to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's just like different, like it's just like a varying amount of emphasis put on these two, these two things that are compatible, but it's just like which one weighs more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like which, which one is my priority? Mm-hmm. Um, I no, like... I agree that I agree that in Western societies, especially, a lot, um, it's more encouraged and celebrated. Like your individualism is more is celebrated more here than it is in Asian countries. However, also yeah. like listening into Boris Johnson's addresses, he's actually urged for um there to be an, a collective effort, a national effort in tackling this coronavirus. And I think uh, th- this has kind of grown at uh, this this has helped to raise awareness in people and i think this community feel and um, this like feeling this notion is um is actually gradually growing no but the thing is i feel like he's only changed his style of discourse and like he's only changed what he's saying because the thing because the situation has gotten worse mm-hmm. but that's just my opinion because i was watching the press conference i was i was debating to whether whether or not to stay in london or leave Oh yeah. Okay. After I watched his press conference, I was like, I'm getting out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because just I just like for a fact, I know that people won't follow advice, mm-hmm. and because the government doesn't have the power to, you know, impose um, these quite, you know, harsh, quite, um, um, just quite harsh like policies of like policies. Um, help reducing exactly. the, like, the quite, spread. Yeah. You won't get you won't get penalized if you don't do it. No, yeah, for sure, and um, yeah, that that has actually been a that's been a lot of the response and attitudes um lately to do with like his policies because they don't have they're all kind of kind of a bit vague with like just advice and suggestions. They're they're how they haven't really looked into imposing sanctions, but actually as of today, they're actually planning to impose a bill, uh, whereby you could be fined in leaving the house for no reason, but um. Yeah, but frankly, um, but, everyone, but like honestly, I think if you want to find a reason to leave the house and someone catches you, you can come up with another reason that seems more reasonable. Like, for sure, the loopholes like, in the system. For I sure. think it's the I think it's the whole fluke mindset that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like you might as well just self discipline, but then, like if you don't have that kind of external pressure to make you do that, people won't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's just the whole policy thing in 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 the UK, which I think is just like. The virus doesn't. Ha- it won't wait. Like that's true. <laughs> it, it it's already wait. here. You gotta, be, you gotta be spending three days on this, on trying to pass this bill. The virus is spreading. It's not waiting for you. Like it's. It's just like sometimes you might need this emergency power to make people do things, mm-hmm. especially on the public health security threat. It's. It's like. It's like. It's just frustrating to see see things get worse. Yeah. And see what lies in the future, as we've seen in Italy and many other places already and people still debating about whether i whether or not if i should place my own liberty first or Mm -hmm. the safety of the community first it's just i think that's really selfish yeah okay well um um, well rest assured like it frustrates you as much as it frustrates me and i myself obviously currently in london myself yeah Um, i was i've been worrying about my friends all over the world it's crazy i have friends in the us which is probably even worse because they don't have universal health care um um it's just like everywhere's just a, i have extended family in italy it's just mm-hmm. all a bit of a mess 
Yeah, I'm really sure we've all got we've all got a lot of our worries, to, um, a lot of our family and friends to worry about. But actually, but but we're not here today to discuss and criticize um the government's response in these respective countries. Yeah, true. But actually, just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've gone on a complete tangent. That's okay. Um, actually, bringing it back to home, back to um your experiences with the um the racist encounter that you were involved with. So you mentioned that when um when the man um so you said that he elbowed you or he um was looked like he was attempting to and you ducked. Um, so has do you think that fear has become has that kind of like changed your social attitude or like your social behavior during your day to day afterwards? Well, um, it only encouraged me to wear the mask more mm-hmm. okay. um, because because I was like I can't just I can't just stand down to this this kind of attitude you know yeah, like okay I I won't I won't surrender to this like I'm not I won't it's mm-hmm. just like I think it's just me though but. I can understand why people are afraid and are like terrified mm-hmm. by this kind of encounter because it was it was terrifying. I had mm-hmm. like it sent me on a very emotional journey <laughs> um, yeah. of trying to come to terms with it and figuring out how I feel and how I should deal with my feelings and mm-hmm. what I should do afterwards to kind of like um, make it into channel this kind of energy into a positive you know positive cause. Yeah. Um, that's really good so, trying to turn it into a positive course. So I think that's a good way of like reconciling with that kind of yeah just very horrible experience. <laughs> I've been quite sympathetic to a lot of my um, people that I know who have also been involved in racist encounters because for sure it's taken a lot of them um, by surprise and they just didn't see it coming. Um, and so they, they, they're all a bit, uh, quite a bit traumatised and I feel very, um, I'm saddened that this has happened to people. Um, but actually you mentioned that, um, you mentioned in also your, the post that you made and um, I urge anyone who hasn't read it yet to go have a look and to spread the word because it's, um, it's, it's a worthy cause. You mentioned that you um, personally believe like to speak up for yourself and do what you think is right and re- and retaliate injustice using the power you have. Um, is that kind of like is that was that um, is that your personal belief that has been shaped by like your family and your like? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think it's just like my personal experience, my family, and just because I had like a very multicultural upbringing. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> Can we hear a bit more about it, or is that a bit? <laughs> I went to international school in Shanghai, and then I left. Um, I went abroad to England um, when I was like 14 mm-hmm. and it's just like we have like friends from everywhere and then talking about the experiences of the world it's just I kind of like grew up um, listening to these things mm-hmm. and um, and um, I like I wrote in my post that my first kind of like I'm not I'm not sure if like racism is the right word it's just like it's just like it's more like child's play. Okay. That that um so and did this happen the first in school? Day school yeah. The whole, first day of boarding school, I was like, um, people asked me like, oh, what's your name? Where you're from? Like, I'm I'm Liz. Nice to meet you. I'm from China. I'm from Shanghai. And they were like, the third question I remember everyone asking me was like, do you eat dogs? Um, <laughs> so I didn't I didn't I not exactly know how to react to that because like, I was just a bit confused by like, why are people asking me this? Uh-huh. I wasn't even aware of my like identity as an Asian, as Chinese. That was that was just like I considered myself like just a person, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was. I think that was the first time I became I became so aware of my like phenotypical identity, um, and what and their implications. Um, that was kind of a shock for a fourteen year old. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I can imagine. <laughs> 
because um, it was it was the time where like you know the dog meat festival thing and that there were like a oh. lot of petitions um and then they were like oh have you signed this i was like um i just i just didn't respond and then they yeah. were like oh so do you not agree i was like i have two dogs at home <laughs> oh no it's, it's it's more of a it's more of an expression of preference and how you get the meat like people eat horses that's like, true what if i went up to your horse lover be like do you agree with people eating horses like i how i don't know how the other person would react no, but that's that's the, that's, the, that's that's the beside the point um um but it was just that that made me really aware of like just just my identity i suppose mm-hmm. um and i kind of i kind of i didn't really stand up to that when i was 14 because then and now i think back at it i was just like people like 14 year olds like you just kind of scroll through Instagram. You listen to whatever people tell you. Like you don't really filter. You don't have that osmosis process of like just coming to your own conclusions and making mm-hmm. decisions. You know, com- mm. compiling, processing information. You just don't have that. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. Fair enough. But do you think? Do you think schools or like families in general, or society in general, should educate um, children a bit more about these issues? Because from the sounds of it, although it's not a proper like racist um, comment that they made, they are kind of a bit more child's play, like like you said. Um, but frankly, these are still comments that shouldn't be said and kind of imply and connote as a mentality of ignorance. Um, do you not think that people should be more aware of these, um, of the implications and what comments that they're making? I think, I, I guess there is some merit to that, but then I think we need to realize that um they're ignorant people and they're ignorant people who refuse to be educated so like some ignorant people they just you just give them information they'll be like okay okay so this is what this is what actually you mm-hmm. know the world is like and there's ignorant people who will hold on to their kind of values and hold on to their biases hold on to their views about everything regardless of what you say to them so kind of like stubbornness um, yeah it's just like I think it's more than stubbornness. It's kind of like a sense of just self They refuse to accept that change. Yeah. And refuse to to let let go of that sense of superiority or something. Mm, um, okay. And do we do you suppose that we should just let that slide as the racial minority? I don't think I don't think it's a problem of sliding because I don't think we ever get rid of these people. Like there okay, are people yeah. of any background, any race who are. Um, ignorant and unwilling to be educated and that's just that's just going to be like an eternal existence in my opinion like you can mm. never get rid of people like that okay um but what we can do is to stand up against it mm-hmm. and not be and not be afraid of it okay well that's actually really it's encouraging just like, it's just like to accept that this <laughs> is gonna happen but we're not gonna we're not just gonna back down that's yeah this is a that's a that's a really encouraged message message to send across because actually with um with the so i'm sure you're aware of as well and um everyone else who's listening to this as well that uh of the uh the encounter that jonathan mock had um yeah Yeah, so with his um situation a lot of a lot of comments um at least i've heard from peers and friends and people around me have been saying that oh he should have just kept quiet just walked on and not confronted it um because um a lot of um he didn't do anything wrong though like that's no he didn't i have like people it's just like i feel like it's 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 like like a virtue considered in one culture might not be in another Mm -hmm. like for instance like 
Asians are typically known to be quite humble and quite like yeah the sentiment is that you should speak away from um, confrontations yeah and quite open-minded because we are the minority you, you can't afford to not be you know mm-hmm. like like in some ways in some ways it's socially conditioned in another way it's embedded in culture there's two two influences of that um attitude i suppose but mm-hmm. i feel like in this in these kind of cases you can't just you didn't do anything wrong you didn't offend anyone like like i don't sometimes sometimes i when when some of these like passive aggression or like minor racism passive racism happens i just let it slide and sometimes like when i think back to the um I kind of regret that I let it slide. I wish I did something, oh, and yeah. this time I did. So it's really good, yeah. Because um, you know, sometimes you're just like, oh, uh, like uh, whatever. But yeah. I'm glad that this time I didn't, because I was well, partly thanks to um, not really thanks, well, inspired by Jonathan, because <laughs> I read, I read his, I read his article that he posted on Facebook as mm-hmm, well. Yeah. Uh, and I and I resonated on a very deep level. Because I just feel like it made me really aware of all my past experiences and how that's actually, and how some of them are actually just expressions of racism that just didn't come across as like direct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's like it's like a marketplace of ideas. People can have their own ideas, but it doesn't mean that we don't have the right to argue to argue against them. That's that's mm-hmm. what I think, and especially with this kind of thing, it's not just like minorly offensive it can have a significant impact on someone's like just view on their life like it's it's almost like defaming it it is it it is it is a form of defaming defamation Defamation, and i don't think that's okay like it's just not okay (laughs) i felt as to come just just to be very honest i felt really insecure after that Mm -hmm. i felt i was i was scared yeah has that kind of has the has the encounter really why i feel at home has the encounter uh, kind of like, changed your social, yeah. um, your perception of the um, social attitudes in this country, in the UK? Like, how's it changed during, like, your time in the UK? Well, I don't think it's... I think at that, like, hours after that, like, after that incident, or, like, a couple of days after that, and I mm-hmm. talk to people about it because you can't just keep it to yourself it's really hard i'm telling no, you yeah. <laughs> like people who have experienced this and i'm sure a lot of people show solidarity <laughs> to the situation um, yeah yeah so i was like the immediate after effect i imme- the immediate off like the effect after that was mm-hmm. that i felt really insecure i was just like mm. i felt i've i've really felt at home in london for the part for the past Mm-hmm. like four or five years i've been there because i've like got parents are there mm. um the english so like i really felt at home like it's like when people ask me do you wish where do you feel more at home like london or shanghai I, it's like asking me do you like your dad more or your mom <laughs> like i can't pick and choose oh. it's like they're both they're both my home like this these two places are like two places that i grew up in yeah and there there isn't i can't pick and choose mm-hmm. um but Immediately after that, I was like, kind of doubting my, like sense that, of belonging, kind that of. idea. That that really, I I started to like question my sense of belonging in oh. London. Well, I'm no, I'm really, <laughs> that was, I'm really. That was a brief like couple of hours. I was like in an existential crisis, kind of not really. <laughs> um, um, but that was that was it was strange because I've never felt that before. But I think it was like a worthy 
life lesson to have learned yeah that you kind of have to like you you kind of have to fight for your place to stay mm-hmm. in a way for me so the next day after when i went out to um to run errands i wore a face mask um and i wrote with a sharpie on it spread love oh. um and <laughs> i posted that on uh on facebook and instagram as well calling for people to like like whatever background whatever you are like whatever just do it mm-hmm. it's like it's like firstly wearing a mask i've been told by many many people including airport security who saw me wearing a mask coming back from like london to shanghai telling me that oh they won't work it's it's like useless you're going to touch it anyways like what's the point i was at a post office with my sending my danish friend home mm-hmm. like while saying goodbye to her before she leaves and giving her a couple of masks to go on the airplane um this guy queuing behind us was like oh you know masks don't work it, it just this random guy just came up but okay. then i feel like at the end of the day it's not that it's not that them telling us that this doesn't work it's more like an expression of desperation i feel like people are just searching for a sense of like certainty rather than like the mask even though mm. like the mask is just like the facade it's just like something it's a scapegoat you know like it's just it's it's like or i don't know i don't know how to say it but it's, it's kind like, of a bit like the symbolism it's not it's, it's more like a symbol mask. rather than yeah. just of a practical thing it doesn't matter like 10% whatever like 10% 5% 50% 100% doesn't make that difference it doesn't mm-hmm. like um people are just scared people are just panicking people are just scared and yeah. people and the mask being told by the government that has no use whatsoever is the only sense of certainty they can grasp mm-hmm. and that's well, why it's, that... it's a, yeah it's a shame really and it really it's it's um it's a disappointing that this has had to happen um in uh, in london a place where it's so close to home for you let's cut like literally home for you um but um i'm sure you're not the only person who has experienced um something of the kind i know that a lot of people have been too scared to speak up and too scared to... is there anything that you want to end on and say that's kind of like a word of solidarity or just showing support and like just spreading the message or spreading love anything you want to say to end on Yeah, so I wrote on my Facebook page on a different article to the one that I sent you mm-hmm. that um wearing mask and writing a message whatever race, gender, age you are is protecting you from the virus and showing solidarity with others who are scared or who are um who had been reject- subjected to racist attacks or just it's it's a as a solidarity it's just a yeah just a symbol of solidarity sorry yes. solidarity with people who mm-hmm. have been who have been like who are victims in in this in mm. who are vic- of this injustice yeah well well thank you so much for coming thank you um, um so to wrap up our past episodes which have been centered around the coronavirus outbreak and its social impact We've heard from two individuals, Elizabeth and Eugene, who have kindly taken the time out of their busy lives to share with us their experiences and the racial encounters they have had. It's interesting hearing from their different perspectives and um due to the differences in their upbringing and also education, there are aspects worth looking at and comparing between the two, especially in terms of their ways of coming to terms with the entire situation, but also their advice on finding the courage to speak up about the injustices someone might be facing. Uh a massive thank you for them both for helping out especially if you're hearing this now yourselves thank you so so much 
Um, but I just wanted to use this opportunity just to publicise and explain what Narratives of Asia really is and also tell you how you can get involved. Narratives of Asia is a new branch of Asiatic Affairs which takes the form of a podcast channel. Uh, we drop episodes regularly where we host either one-to-one discussions or group discussions over a particular current affairs or a trending topic of choice. This could be an issue one of our writers are currently working on or an idea pitched by one of our listeners, so you guys. Simply drop us a line via any of our social media platforms. Um, so that's Instagram, Facebook, if you want to get involved in our channel, but also if you have an idea for our next episode. And finally, thank you so, so much for staying with us until the end. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes in the future. We are Asiatic Affairs, and this is Narratives of Asia.